Chapter 8 of Dave Dashaway Around the World by Roy Rockwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 8 Something of a Mystery. Our hero found the gasoline tanks pretty well emptied of oil. He realized that the juice on hand would not admit of a long flight. Satisfied, however, that there was sufficient fuel to fly the comet out of its resting place and down to level ground, Dave got to the pilot post and operated the self-starter. The biplane arose promptly to the occasion. A little deft guiding cleared the hill. The machine and its occupant came safely and gently to a new landing place in a field nearby. Hiram and the farmer hastened to the spot as Dave alighted. "'I call that pretty cute,' announced the farmer, a good deal interested. "'Now then, stranger, what about them damages?' "'Just what I said,' replied Dave. "'You have done us a great service, and we appreciate it. There is your money.' "'Say, you're square and white,' declared the farmer, overjoyed at the possession of so much cash. "'We try to be,' answered Dave pleasantly. "'Just sign that receipt, will you? The aeroplane company will pay for this, and I want my voucher all straight and regular.' Dave wrote out a receipt on the back of a card, and the man signed it. Then the young aviator proceeded to the automobile. "'Can't I help you some?' inquired the farmer, accommodatingly. "'If you will loan us a tin pail for a bit, it will be of service to us,' replied Dave. "'There is plenty of spare gasoline in the auto-tank, Hiram,' he explained. It did not take the boys long to transfer enough of the gasoline to last the comet for a home flight. Dave arranged to fly the machine and directed Hiram to take charge of the automobile. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon when the adventurers reported on the aerogrounds. Mr. Brackett was delighted at their success, and Elmer was fairly overjoyed. No damage whatever had been done to the biplane, it was found, after a careful inspection of the machine. "'I say, Dave,' spoke Hiram, as he and his chief sat eating a fine dinner sent by Mr. Brackett from the restaurant. "'There's a good deal about this business that puzzles me.' "'I suppose that is true,' responded the young aviator, with a slight smile. "'What principally is troubling you, Hiram?' "'Why, the whole proceeding. "'If somebody wanted to get us out of business, why didn't they sink the airship somewhere or burn it up i think they counted on the comet remaining undiscovered until long after the other entries had started said dave spite then suggested hiram no i don't think that then if that vernon had anything to do with it i am satisfied that he did declared dave his object was not to keep Elmer from getting out of the country, though. Why, what else could it be? questioned Hiram, in wonderment. I shall tell you later, Hiram, 
replied Dave, in quite a serious way. The fact is, there are some things about stealing the airship that I do not entirely understand myself. When I have posted myself on those details, I fancy I shall have a decidedly interesting story to tell you and Elma. Say, can I ask you one question? propounded Hiram. And then, as Dave nodded in assent, he added, Has that girl and your visit to the city and the appearance of Vernon at the Hampton Flats got anything to do with it? Everything, in my opinion, answered the young airman gravely. Huh, commented Hiram, a romance and a mystery, eh? Hardly, Hiram, responded Dave gravely. It is business pure and simple. I will say this much to you at the present time. Whatever dealings I am having with Mr. Dean, the father of the girl you saw, may involve all the skill and nerve the crew of the Comet have at their command. The young airman had given his interested associate a good deal to think over. Hiram, however, and in fact everybody about the place, were soon immersed in things strictly professional. At noon the following day, the race around the world was to start. There were not a large number of entries, but every individual contestant had his own pet machine and his courtier of friends and admirers. The field was a lively scene all day. The various machines made trial flights. Then there was the packing of supplies, which necessarily had to be of limited volume. All of the contestants, in turn, visited the office of the Aero Association to receive definite route instructions. There was a good deal of red tape to go through, credentials to secure, and arrangements made for reporting progress to headquarters from set points along the route. The young aviator and his assistants spent nearly an hour over a blueprint map which had been furnished each of the contestants by the management of the event. Hiram got out a geography and studied out the situation in a more detailed way. Elmer, at the suggestions of Dave, made two copies of the list of points from which the comet was to report progress. The boys were interrupted in this congenial work by the appearance of one of the hangar men at the door of the living tent. He beckoned to Dave, who at once went outside, received some message, and called back to his friends, I've got to go to the city, fellows. Won't be over two hours. Keep a close watch on everything until I get back. Wonder what's up now, remarked Hiram speculatively. Then he went to the door and looked out. Hmm, he observed. Dave has a good deal of mysterious business on hand, it seems to me. Where is he gone? asked Elmer, only casually, for he was deeply absorbed in his work. To the city, he said. And say, in that same automobile that brought the young lady here day before yesterday. Well, it must be something important to take Dave away from here just at this time, commented Elmer. The young aviator reappeared about two hours later 
the chauffeur who had come for him brought him back dave came into the living tent all briskness and cheery as usual the watchful hiram however whispered cautiously to elmer that he acted as if he had something heavy on his mind the boys made frequent visits to the comet during the evening hiram noticed that dave seemed very solicitous that a double watch should be kept over the machine during the night he hired two extra men to spell the regular watchmen and gave them close directions as to their care of the biplane a band of music woke up the three young airmen early in the morning it announced a reception to some french experts who had arrived to take part in the international flights dave was out of bed first as usual and bolted out of the place anxious to see if all was well with a comet hiram and elmer began to dress they felt buoyant and eager for the work of the day in sport as elmer finished dressing first he made a grab for the pillow on the cot dave had occupied and sent it hurling at the head of his companion that's the last pillow you'll see for a long time to come he announced hello why hiram look here the speaker stood stock still gazing spellbound at the head of the cot whence he had taken the pillow hiram joining him looked down like himself in sheer startled wonder end of chapter eight